by far one of the coolest things I have ever done in 25 years of helping couples is launch this VIP Inner Circle membership. Check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP. Get 24-7 digital coaching from me, yours truly, Michael Smalley. Find a community, find other people where you get to interact with me every single week. You get to ask your questions. We get to have conversations about the things that matter most to you. Again, check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP. I'm re-airing an important series, The Hero's Guide to Winning Back Your Wife. If you're a dude trying to win back your girl, pay attention. There are some obvious traps causing you to fail in your mission. Go to smalleyinstitute.com and join the free online community and course, Win Back the Heart of Your Wife. Now, here's me and Seth, my old comrade in arms and the hero's guide to winning back your wife. Can you believe we are now on the eighth show of our series, The Hero's Guide to Winning Back Your Wife? Sometimes the hero's journey doesn't exactly have a Hollywood ending. Actually, it can be more like the ending of Cold Mountain, that horrible movie with Jude Law and Nicole Kidman. The movie came out in 2003, and I am still angry and distraught about how it ended. You don't want to hear today's show, trust me. I know this, but you need to listen because what do you do if your wife doesn't come back? Welcome to Smalley Marriage Radio. I am your host, Michael Smalley, along with my co-host, Seth Johnson. And, I mean, here we go. Again, Let's during talk my intro, I get the smirk. Yeah, but that's a good thing, right? That means I don't like, know. It feels you've engaged me. I'm listening. I'm critiquing. But I feel like we might need to work through some emotional scarring left by uh, Cold Mountain. I really am still angry about that. So you had to remind me. Yeah. about how that ended yeah and do it we want was, to do a spoiler alert here yeah there's spoiler alert from 2003 <laughs> right if you've never seen this movie you just like you better you stop know, it mute, now mute right now yeah. because it was for 98 percent of the movie mm-hmm. one of the greatest you know era civil war i mean it was amazing mm-hmm Right, and I'm I'm genuinely with my wife in Branson, Missouri, and I lean. I'm like, this is my all time favorite movie. I spoke too soon <laughs> because apparently the movie wasn't totally done, but it's the final scene, and you know the God Jude Law and Nicole Kidman, you know they're back together from this this just epic thing, right? Mm-hmm. And then the evil dude shows up. And literally kills everybody. Everybody dies. Like Jude Law, Nicole Kidman. All of them. Dogs, children, couple cats. And then just is over? It's done. Roll credits. (laughs) I was stunned. I looked at my wife. I was so, I mean, 2003. It's now 2017. I am genuinely, I've never watched it again. And I never will. Well, maybe that was like a final metaphor on the harshness of war in general and specifically the Civil War in the United States. No, it was <laughs> pure evil. Because oh, I, I don't pay money to go to a movie and be depressed. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Which is why the Marvel... Movies series, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel Studio movies. All the doing. superhero movies, yeah. Oh yeah, they're like number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I love all of them because I know this is going to be a good ending. Yeah. So in in the end, even if it's unresolved, it's not negative. That's probably why you like the Bible too. Yes, there is a definitely a good ending. <laughs> we all yeah. get saved if yeah. we love Him. Yeah, God wins. Yeah, I was going to say He wins no matter what, but well, that's fair. <laughs> probably better. <laughs> I think what you said was better. So 
I know. This show... So don't endorse... You're not endorsing going to see, see this movie then. Cold Mountain. Yeah. Don't rent it. Don't get yeah. it on Apple TV. If, if you, it is... If you don't have to pay for it, like if it's on Netflix, maybe... No. Not why. I, maybe other people have a darker soul than you. Yeah. Apparently people are unsaved. And the soundtrack that. is really good and done by Jack White. Yeah, of course. <coughs> and it's fantabulous. Like folksy, mountainy kind of sounding. Jack White is now dead to me. <laughs> he has accomplished nothing in his musical career. All right, so how does this tie into my uh, my pursuit of a wife? Yes, yeah, so gentlemen, hopefully, have been tuning in who might be in the position of trying to win back the hearts of their wife. And the sad truth is sometimes that ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, gentlemen... You can do everything right. You can make the change. Your heart can change. You can get on the correct path. And the damage done is either too much for your wife to overcome. She might appreciate the changes. um, Or she might choose bitterness. She might choose unforgiveness. And the reality is, and I know this because you can, you know, a lot of those Greek epic novels and things. I mean, a lot of those didn't have very good endings. I mean, they were known as tragedies. Yeah. So (laughs) I should have known by the genre (laughs) that I don't need to read this one. Is this a rom-com? Yeah. (laughs) And so so I feel bad about this show, but I didn't think we could do a series on winning back your wife without being honest that, hey, some of you guys, it's not going to happen. Right. And so we're doing a show for you where we're going to try to help you through that process, mm-hmm. right? What does it look like? So, hey, I've changed. I'm doing what, frankly, probably what she had wished I had been doing our whole marriage. Right. And she's gone. Ugh. It's you know me. I'm Mr. Positive. Yeah. So this is a tough show for me. And I feel bad for guys who make the change and it doesn't work out and they have mm-hmm. that cold mountain miserable ending. But it is a reality. Yeah, and, and so as we've talked about before, you we can't force change on our spouse, so we can only take care of, of ourselves. Exactly. So precisely. So even if we do everything right. It's the greatest thing that we have control of our life, and it can also be the most miserable. Because mm-hmm. I therefore don't have control of others, which means sometimes it doesn't go as I hope and dream it would. Right. So gentlemen, I think the first thing you need to hear is that, unfortunately, it is a possibility. And sticking your head in the sand, you know, and going, I don't want to admit this, I don't want to acknowledge this, this isn't happening, or becoming woe is me, and allowing her potentially poor choices, or frankly, maybe she's making the wise choice. Yeah, And, and I don't mean that. How do you mean that, yeah. The, the wise choice, if you've genuinely changed, would be to come back. That that is right, but it's also I'm not going to throw ladies under the bus, especially if there was emotional abuse or physical abuse or you know there's things that go on that you sort of lost the right to ever have her back. Mm-hmm. You know that's a reality, and my you know whenever I'm meeting with couples in this situation, uh, you know I'll tell well we'll just keep with the theme of it's a man trying to win back the heart of his wife. I'll tell the wife, the best scenario is that your husband changes and you guys can reconcile and you will be better and stronger than ever before. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, that's certainly the message I would give any woman in this situation. But I also have to understand that it just might not be possible for her. And that stinks, but it's also okay. And frankly, what I'll tell a lot of guys is and you know remember when we had Peter and Holly mm-hmm. on the show? Yeah, you know Peter. Uh, you know that was a really cool show where man that was nuts, right? You know he mm-hmm. messes up big time. They end up divorced. He ends up remarrying. That was a disastrous decision that blows up quickly. Like I think in what two three years? Yeah, I thought it was even less than that. Yeah, in there could have been a year or two, and then miraculously they end up getting back together. Yeah. And so the reason why I'm saying you need to sort of own this and not stick your head in the sand 
is if you have truly changed, we'll know by how you react to her not coming back. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you've really changed, you're going to love her and treat her well, especially if you have children. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the and we I've said this before on the show, and it's a thing I think a lot of Christian marriage therapists or Christian family marriage expert type people want to avoid. But all the negative consequences of divorce are actually not that much about the divorce, but how that now ex-husband and wife treat each other moving forward. Right. So obviously divorce is not ideal, but it doesn't have to destroy your family. Yeah. And we've talked about before how, um, divorce is not like kicking that person out of your life. Exactly. And like, and you can't, right. Especially with kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's still a lot of interaction, um, in there. And how that interaction goes is what determines the consequences for your children. So if the two of you continue crushing each other, if the two of you keep speaking poorly about each other to your kids, yeah, a lot of them, there's a high, a much higher percentage of school dropout, of drug use, of suicide, of depression, of all those things. But it's because you continue treating each other poorly. I just, when you're talking about, um, you know, divorced spouses speaking bad about the other one in front of their kids. I remember just a couple very awkward moments as a kid being at friends' houses where his parents were divorced and somehow the the parent that wasn't there got brought up and they're being bad mouth and it's just so awkward you're just standing there as a middle schooler yeah or a high schooler being like um and i i'm what i'm saying is that's unacceptable yeah now again you can't control gentlemen you can't control what your wife does right and you know there's been so many countless amount of times that i've had to help people as a pastor obviously as a marriage guy where the one person is trying to do the right thing. The other mm-hmm. one's just being messed up. And even in those scenarios, you still have to be the light. Right. You still have to do the right thing. And even though she might be behaving horribly, you can't. Mm-hmm. And your children will be attracted to that. It'll help your children. So you really have no other option. If she chooses not to come back, you're still going to have to love her and honor her and value her. Because you can do that. She's the mother of your children. Right. She was your wife. She deserves to be treated well, especially when she's not treating you well. Mm -hmm. So you cannot go into denial about this thing. But you do have to realize, like we've highlighted, that you don't have control on winning your wife back. That's in God's hands. And, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about right now is if your wife is choosing not to come back. One of the things you need to check in your spirit is whether or not your attitude or if there's been this underlying kind of hidden demand Mm -hmm. that, okay, I'm listening to this podcast. I'm going to counseling. I'm doing everything because I have to have her back. Like the end Mm -hmm. result is about me getting my wife back. Yeah. So like a, like, Okay, one plus one equals two. So me doing this and this equals you are now back in my life. Exactly. And so in essence, you're changed, and I will put that in my famous air quotes. quotes. Your changed behavior isn't really about changing or doing the right thing. It's really about getting what you want. Mm -hmm. And so we highlight this because that could be why she's not coming back. Right? Because people will pick up on the unconscious you know, projections of your heart. Yeah. And if you have this sort of underlying demand that I'm going to do all these things because I have to have her back, and if I don't get her back, then it's all for nothing, and I'm probably going to go right back to where I was anyways. Yeah. She's going to pick up on that because there's strings attached. Mm-hmm. People feel that stuff. Well, it's like... Uh, I'll scratch your back if you say, well, that doesn't feel like a good scratching. Right. Which is a weird example. (laughs) Very, very, but thank you for the back scratch. That was nice. Well, it's like, I mean, our, our faith, uh, it's 
not a works-based faith, which like, or works-based exactly. relationship. And that's what that is. Um, you know, God wants our heart, not just, not just our actions. Now our heart will guide our actions. Yes. And, um, and the same, same thing here is like, okay, I'm not just going to begrudgingly do all these things to make this out, this end result happen. Yeah. It, you know, Seth, it could really turn into manipulation. That's yeah. probably how it feels. Like I'm doing all these good things to manipulate you and trick you into coming back, but mm-hmm. I'm, I haven't really made an authentic heart change. Yeah. I'm doing this for something that I want or demand. Because if there's not a heart change, uh, these things will come back again. Oh, for sure. Because your be- your behavior, past behaviors will resurface. Yeah. Okay, good. She's back. Now I can go back to normal. Yeah. And... And she's going to feel that. So, gentlemen, be careful because you may have sabotaged this entire process. Mm-hmm. And what's going to be weird, considering the title of this series, The Hero's Guide to Winning Back Your Wife, frankly, your goal can't be to win back your wife. That can't be the ultimate goal. Your goal needs to be how can I be an authentic, loving disciple of Jesus Christ? And therefore, treat my wife how she deserves to be treated, regardless of how she responds or Mm -hmm. reacts. And man, I'm telling you, if you don't do it, that could very well be the reason. And, you know, it still might not be too late. I mean, I don't get scared about divorce. Divorce doesn't scare me. That's a thing. It costs a lot of money. It's a paper you sign, but it doesn't mean it's the end, you know, and and I and I'll tell you, uh, especially in cases of emotional or physical abuse, sometimes the wife almost needs to take that step of divorce to kind of gain back her dignity, gain back a sense of self worth or strength, power, and she just kind of needs to be allowed to do that. And it could be sort of her final, and I'm not saying she's thinking this consciously. She might be. But more realistically, it's probably an unconscious thing to say, is this change real? Mm-hmm. Like, is he going to continue treating me how he's doing now, even if he doesn't get his way? Right. Whew. So be careful, because that might be, that sort of demand in your heart could be the thing that sabotaged her ultimately wanting to reconcile. Yeah, and so then then you have to ask, you know, why why didn't she come back? Yeah. So we just explained maybe it was because you sabotaged it. Yeah. Because you had major strings attached Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel authentic to her. Is it your fault? Well, I guess what I'm saying is, well, maybe and then maybe not. You know, maybe she's choosing to respond. You know, I have a guy. I'll give very little details because I don't want to make any problems Man, he has done everything. He has. And his wife has chosen bitterness and unforgiveness and has, you know, it's just, it breaks my heart. But what has been so encouraging for me seeing this gentleman is how he has maintained the change. And it didn't work out in his favor. And so for me, he's the greatest hero of all because he didn't get the ultimate, the, the, the Hollywood ending, right? right? The, he got the quote unquote the, reward. Yeah. He got the, I, I, I can't even think of the movie. Cold mountain, cold mountain. <laughs> it's hard for me. I used to call it stone cold mountain. I don't know. could be my desire for ice cream. Uh, stone mountain in Georgia, stone mountain in Georgia. But you know, he got the cold mountain ending and it's been really encouraging for me to see that. Okay. Well, that stinks. But I'm still going to kid because, you know, I have children together and mm-hmm. you got to figure it out. You got to be okay. So it might be your fault, but it, it might not. And if she's dealing with unforgiveness and bitterness, really the only options you have at that point, I mean, your biggest option is to continue praying for her and doing the right thing regardless. Yeah. So that cannot change. And then. You need to remain patient, right? You, you, you can't just, because you didn't get 
it because it hasn't met your timing, mm-hmm. right? Or she followed through with the divorce or whatever. You need to remain patient, and that's okay. Because, like we said earlier, the the real consequences of divorce is the continued fighting, is the continued bad mouthing, is the continued unresolved conflict. And you can make a difference in that. Yeah. Even if she's not wanting to, you don't have to engage in her dysfunction. Right. And that is going to benefit your children for generations. Yeah. I I have um, a, a friend who, whose parents were divorced um, long ago. And um, one parent has chosen to uh, move on healthily. Like it was definitely not a pretty divorce going initially, but they became came healthy. The other one has for decades now lived in bitterness, and it's amazing just seeing each of their their lives and yeah. how it affects the circle of people around them. Um, everything from like work to uh, honestly, like just you know, church relationships to all I mean, all that, like every aspect. Because I'm listening to their own kids talking about one of the parents, like, yeah, we don't like being around them because it just infects everything. And so uh, that's something just to be, be wary of. And we've talked about, we've had podcast episodes on um, yeah. on bitterness. Well, and what's sad about bitterness and unforgiveness is you're going to die alone. Yeah. Which probably is the most miserable thing you can experience as a human. Yeah. I mean, I have had the privilege and the sadness of being around people as a pastor in their final days who chose poorly, mm-hmm. and no one was there, right? No one. Kids didn't want to be there. Ex-wives didn't want to be there. Ex-husbands didn't want to be there. And it's just a miserable recipe. And the truth is, you don't have to be. So even if, gentlemen, even if she chooses not to come back, mm-hmm. and maybe she had valid reasons, could be then yeah your your happiness in life cannot be dependent on what your wife does mm-hmm. it has to be independent from that so just because she chooses not to come back doesn't mean you're now going to spend a life of misery well if you do that's your problem yeah because happiness does not come from wives coming back and children behaving and all those kinds of things it comes from your relationship with Christ. That's where it comes from. So if you're plugged in to your wife coming back, and if she doesn't come back, I'm not going to make it. Well, you're not going to make it. And again, you sabotaged the whole process anyways. So yeah. you, you can really only blame yourself. Yeah. And even if with that mindset, even if uh, you pursue your wife and she does come back, you're still doomed to failure because you're still in that. Once you're in that relationship, placing your happiness and joy in that relationship and we all know relationships are, will fail in some way or some yeah, point. Yeah, it's inevitable. So, like, it's, it's still... disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, now what? Right? Yeah. It's like, okay, Smalley, we've listened to this whole stupid series, and, you know, it's been nine months, and she's divorced me, and, you know, what do I do? And my first thing when I was, you know, making these show notes is, for the love of all things holy... Please, please, please don't rush into another relationship. Yeah. Do you know the average divorcee is remarried under a year? Under a year? No, I did, did not know that. I mean, seriously, people. So I have I have friends' parents who I have witnessed uh, go through divorces, and I I've seen them get back into relationships way quicker than I would have thought. Yeah. But I didn't know that that was like the the average. You know, earlier you said you were talking about friends mm-hmm. and their their uh, parents' divorce was kind of ugly. It wasn't. Well, that's every divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's just make sure and say that out loud. <laughs> there is no fun or happy <laughs> yeah. or easy divorce. All right, family, gather around. Come on, we Who's have signing? some news. <laughs> you sign it. I'm signing. <laughs> and but it, I'm telling you. It, it's especially, I won't get dishonoring, 
I don't even know how to word it, but especially people within the Christian community, how, when they want to go through a divorce, how many times I've had to hear them say either together, sitting with me in the same room or independently, but we're going to do this right. We're going to do this amicably. Oh, great. (laughs) There's the speech impediment. I cannot say that word. I tried. Can you say it? Amicably. Yeah, you did it. Say it again. Amicably. Nice. Yeah, I'm not even going to try it again. So that the, an amicable divorce does nice. not happen. It doesn't exist. Stop it. You know, we're going <laughs> to, I love it. We're going to hire a Christian mediator. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea what's happening. I wish it was possible, but you're, you're, you're tearing the fabric of a covenant relationship. Yeah. That ain't going to go It's not well. going to be pretty. No. And it might be for a, a few moments, but there, and, and this is usually what I warn people going, okay, first of all, that's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Second of all, there's going to be a thing because, you know, sometimes they can sort of maintain that amicable attitude, but once they start going to who gets what, there's always yeah. that one thing. And I had a young couple, actually, who was, you know, we're going to do this right. They hired the Christian mediator, and they did all this stuff. And, you know, within a week or two, I get called, I think, by the wife, or I can't remember which one of them. They melted down over the dog. Mm-hmm. Both of them, in their heads, thought, well, obviously, the other's not going to want the dog, so I get the dog. And they're like, okay, well, I get the, wait, you get the dog. You don't get the dog. I get and kaboom. Just explodes. So, so, and this is, this is why you have just gone through one of the most stressful, traumatizing things you can go through as a human, Mm -hmm. a divorce. You are not ready within the year to get with someone else. And that, that is also one of the factors why second marriages have an even higher divorce rate. Yeah. It's because many of those couples rushed into another relationship. They weren't ready yet. They weren't healed yet. They hadn't really learned what their part was in the divorce. Mm-hmm. And so here you go again. You're going to replicate it if you don't fully recover and fully embrace the mistakes you made. And, hey, fairly confidently I can say you had something to do with it. Right, yeah. Now, I, whatever the percentages of fault are, I don't know, but there is something you did. And if you don't get that something figured out before the next relationship, you're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And and even if you, yeah, so just please don't rush in. And you know what? A part of, I don't know why I'm coughing so much. I don't know. <laughs> it's the allergies, crazy things. It is a bad allergy day. I've had a headache. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, no problem. I hurt for you. No, I'm just headache, allergy, and angry. So you you need the time to heal. You need the time to recover for the wounds on your heart, to have healing. So you don't, because if you don't, you're going to rush in probably with someone you shouldn't be you know because frankly after a divorce everyone looks better yeah everybody you're gonna meet is going oh if only i'd met you the first time and i'm just telling you they're not the right person yeah because nobody is we're all fallen we're all broken we're all gonna bring junk into the marriage so it's gonna be tough it may be the same kind of tough you had in your first one or it could be a totally different kind of tough Mm -hmm. But here's one of the things I think that leads to that higher divorce rate for second marriages is that if you do rush into another marriage, in essence, what you're telling me is you have to be married in order to be happy. Yeah. That's really what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I hate being single. I I don't want to be alone. Blah, blah, blah. And therefore, you rush into another marriage because you can't handle being with just yourself. And that is a major problem. Right. 
And it could have been a big part of the problem in your first one mm-hmm. or your second one or your third one is that if you have to be married in order to be happy, you're not ready to get married. You need to be that. I, I, surely I've shared this before, but one of my really dear friends from, from college, he kind of had that attitude. Like he was, you know, that person, remember those folks in college that were desperate to be married. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And he was so desperate that, you know, the few relationships he did get in, it was a good looking guy, a kind guy, a wonderful heart, a, you know, a disciple of Christ. But one of his big issues was I have to be married and therefore he sabotaged mm-hmm. most, well, not most, every single dating relationship he had. Date number two, he's like looking for rings. No. Yeah, one time, and he's going to kill me if he ever listens to this show. <laughs> no one would know what I'm talking about, but he'll know. He was dating this amazing girl. I mean, she was incredible. <laughs> and, oh, she had just come out of like a four-year relationship. They're seniors. You know, yeah. they're not babies. And... I don't know. It may have been the first week or maybe it was as long as the second week. But they were holding hands, walking somewhere on campus. And he looked at her and said, do you think of him when we're holding hands? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) he told me, I go, you said what? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she dumped him practically on the spot. I was like, dude, that's what happens when you're desperate. (laughs) When I have to have this thing. And what's funny is... I can tell you, you know, I, of course, grew up in a home with a dad who was this marriage expert. So it was always marriage, 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 marriage. And I was a unique little kid. You know, I've said this before in the third grade on career day, Mrs. Cox, as you know, each kid had to stand up and say, what are you going to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. You remember what I said? A dad. I'm going to be a husband and a father. That was my goal in life was to get married and have children. Mm-hmm. As excited as I was, I'm telling you the truth. And, you know, I've shared my love story about my wife. I had to become a male cheerleader at Baylor University. <laughs> so I even went through, you know, extreme things to try to win this chick over. I'm telling you, it was the end of my junior year when in my heart of hearts, while praying desperate, desperate to be married, desperately in love with a girl who's in love with someone else and they're engaged and getting married, And I was praying and praying and praying, and it was the day that in my heart of hearts, I said to God, you know what? I don't have to be married. I know that I'll be okay if this doesn't work out. And if I never, if that's not your will for me, if that's not your plan for me, Lord, I'm okay. And I say that because I I want people to hear, I mean, that was literally the, the biggest goal in my life. Yeah. And it was the end of my year, of my junior year at Baylor, that in my heart of hearts, I released it and surrendered it and said, actually, yes, would I still love it? It's okay if it doesn't. That's really the attitude you want to get to post your divorce before, because you're not ready to get into another relationship until you don't need one. So back to my friend, I will never forget the day. Because I told him this over, I mean, I even knew this, you know, and call, well, because I had kind of already gone through that, right? Yeah. And he would call me and he'd be so discouraged. And I go, dude, you know what you have to, I'm telling you, let this go. It's okay. No, 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 moaning and groaning. And then he finally got uh, this really cool mentor who's also kind of become a mentor of my own. And this guy was able to help him release it. And he did. I'll never forget that phone call. He called me. I want to say, I don't know what year it was, but it feels like it was sometime in February. And he called me and he, cause he was so excited about the releasing and the healing he yeah. had gone through and his heart change. And he called me, he goes, you're not going to believe it. You know, you've always told me, he goes, dude, I get it. I finally, and I could hear it, you know, even over the phone. Yeah. yeah. It came change. through. Oh my yeah. heavens. I could hear and feel he got it. This is an authentic heart change. And so I said on that call, I said, uh oh. He's like, what? Oh, you better get ready. He's like, well, ready for what, Smalley? 
I go, it's going to happen. Oh, dude, it doesn't matter. And he did. He was like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I go, I know. Now it's got, I think it was a month. I think it was March or maybe April that he met his now wife. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He called me. He goes, you're never going to believe this. I went, you have someone. And it was amazing. And so please don't rush into it. Allow yeah. yourself to heal. Take care of those kids in whatever capacity you get to, mm-hmm. depending on the terms of the mm-hmm. divorce. Yeah. And and just get better and get to a place where you're okay never being married again. Mm-hmm. Just focus on you. Focus on your relationship with Christ. Yeah. And getting healing. And then you'll actually be ready. And then you have to, gentlemen, you have to keep loving her unconditionally. So you, you just, you never know how God might change her heart. Now, I'm not saying these are not conversations you have with your kids. I, you know, mom still might come back. And right. that's yeah. wrong. Uh-uh. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying you don't know. And the divorce doesn't. It's just funny. I mean, I get it. Obviously, it's not an illogical, irrational thing like, well, this is over forever. Right? You got yeah. divorced. So I get it. It kind of technically could be. But it also doesn't mean that. Again, she has her own journey. And so your job is to continue treating her well, honoring her and valuing her because, hey, her heart might change. Yeah. I mean, I've just had too many personal experiences with couples that have done this. You know, I had that one crazy couple who came. They they came to do a premarital intensive. And they were in their 40s, I think. And they'd been married before. They were both bad. They were both <laughs> out of control, and they end up divorced. They both end up marrying and getting married to someone who actually improved their lives. So, like, Christ and community and <coughs> even reconcile with each other as friends because they had kids together. Yeah. And so they would all go, like, on vacations. Really? Yeah, like these cool camping trips with both couples and all the kids and they got along. They did both of their spouses. And, and please, if you're listening do not spiritualize this thing, God is not going to give people brain cancer so that then you can get married again. But both of their spouses end up with brain cancer and die. What? Yes. How? In, so the wife and then the, whatever the new wife or the new husband, both get brain cancer both of them die. And so going through all of that, and, and and even then, I think it was like a year or two after, you know, the spouses had passed, they went, hey, I mean, should we? And so they came to do an intensive with me to go, are we insane? Is this yeah. unhealthy? Is it still? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so they... Two very different people. They were, and that was like nine years later. Yeah, they ended up back together. So wow. you don't, you just—that's why I'm saying you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, and even props to them to uh, recognize that, like, they should ask other, yeah. other people, like, "Hey, because yeah. this this does look kind of strange." Yeah, and we don't want to mess our kids up even yeah. more. Now we've got stepkids mm-hmm. that we got to, you know, that like we're going to be combining into this thing. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, they were such a wonderful couple. And it reminds me even, too, of, uh, well, just in in terms of how you handle yourself post the divorce, uh, I think he's the head football coach at the University of Minnesota. So you could do your Google magic and see Mm -hmm. what his name is. I'm, I'm totally blanking on his name. But they did, you know, they, you know, they, well, I don't know how much ESPN you watch. (laughs) <laughs> I haven't had TV for months. Oh, that's so. right. So he, they did a feature story kind of on this coach, and he had lost a child. I think like it seems like the child was two or three, and obviously very traumatizing, and ended up, his wife, he and his wife ended up divorced. And then he ends up getting remarried. And and how they did the story, I was so thrilled to see this on a major, you know, on ESPN Network featured college game day kind of a story. And the the new wife, 
is talking about how one of her first priorities was to make sure and restore and establish a healthy relationship with the ex-wife. Mm. Like she was like, she did everything right. And so they just kind of featured how now they all get along because now the ex-wife is remarried as well, but they all are able to get along. They encourage each other. And, you know, she's like, you know, my priority was, I don't, you know, I don't want these kids to suffer from an ongoing thing. And so this Fleck. Yes. Coach PJ Fleck. Yeah. PJ Fleck coach at university of Minnesota, which I'm kind of like a university of Minnesota fan. Now I'm such a sucker for these heart wrenching stories, but because what's cool, and I think this is applicable to, to our show today, he started this whole thing on row the boat, and it's this huge deal he does, and it really came about after the death of his son that, okay, now what do you do? Like, how do you move forward from this, and how do you not let your life get to, and he's like, you got to keep rowing. You got to keep moving forward. You got to keep doing the mm-hmm. right things, and that's what we're encouraging you is if she doesn't come back, this it's even more important now to treat her well for the kids and for your own heart. Right. Because, you know, the people who, well, everybody loses when you live in unforgiveness and bitterness. And the other thing you have to do if she doesn't come back is that you have to keep your heart open. Okay, so what I mean by that is, all right, you didn't get the outcome you wanted, so now don't allow yourself to shut down. Don't allow yourself now to become bitter, to become unforgiving, and to be miserable because she didn't do what you really wanted her to do. Mm -hmm. And if you don't actively keep your heart open, then, yeah, you're going to have all the consequences that come with that bitterness. Your, your kids aren't going to want anything to do with you. Your friends aren't going to want much to do with you. You're going to sabotage your job. I mean, everything gets impacted. Yeah, and everyone sees it. Yeah. Like, and people who think that they are somehow, like, masking that Secretly, or hiding it. Yeah. It's, yeah, no. It, you can read it so easily on people. Yeah, and so I would encourage you to help keep your heart open, to help keep you on the right path when it doesn't go the way you hoped for. You really, you're going to want to get a group of mature Christian men. And you're going to want them to be involved in encouraging you, supporting you, praying with you, being there for you, because you need somebody that you can go to and complain or hurt. You know, it's like my friend that I became friends with at our church. They lost like a, oh man, their son was three or four months old and he died of SIDS. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, I called him when I heard about it. And we didn't really know each other. He just attended one of my classes at our church. Yeah. And I called him and I said, dude, if you need, if you just need someone to be miserable with or angry with or inappropriate, you know, dark humor, I'm your guy. So yeah. I'm just putting that out there. And, you know, ended up developing a, a pretty good friendship mm-hmm. because you need people like that in your life that you can it's appropriate to melt down with them. But I say mature Christian men because I wouldn't let my friend stay there. Right. I mean, it's okay, right? It's appropriate. Your son died Mm -hmm. in terrible circumstances and, or the, just the things that happened after were just awful. And, and it's okay to be miserable for a season. Yeah. But I wouldn't want him to stay there. And so, you, you you know, I'm not saying surround yourself with idiots, right? right. Your old frat buddies who've never grown up and still continually, constantly talk about college. those perpetuate the issue. They do. And they're going to keep you stuck. And, and they usually enable you and shift any sort of personal responsibility yes. and put it on the other person. Like, no, dude, you're fine. You're cool. I don't see you. Yeah, forget her. Why you ever married her? She's a jerk or a blank or whatever. Right. So you got to have the right people around you and and by the way you can also use this group of guys or several guys whatever or a mentor on the timing of when you would even begin potentially dating Mm -hmm. that is something that you would want to pray over you know so obviously amy and i 
work very hard at doing the things that prevent divorce. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, there's, that's just, divorce isn't an option for Amy and I, no matter what. And so for me, it would be, you know, if she passed away tragically, I'm telling you, I'd do the same thing. Yeah. Because they'll do that too. Someone loses a spouse and they, they marry so quickly that I would want people around me that aren't in the chaos that I'm in or in the chaos that I'm feeling from a loss of my wife and da 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 I'm going to lean on people to help me know, am I being smart? Am I ready? Is it time? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's priceless. So should I maybe change my, uh, I don't know if advice is the right word. I told Shauna that if I ever pass away early, then like mourn me for six months, then go marry someone else. So I should... <laughs> Give her like, you know, maybe a minimum of a year. A year. Okay. Yeah, give it yeah. a year. I'm like, babe, yeah, we had a good run. Then go find someone else that makes you happy. It doesn't dishonor me. See, now, <laughs> now you're forcing me to get into things I shouldn't get into. <laughs> but I, my thing, I'll just say for me personally, mm-hmm. I'm in my mid-40s. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, my wife hasn't died. I Obviously. haven't gone through this. Right. So I know I'm saying these things out of some level of naivety. Mm-hmm. I know that. However, even if my wife was to pass away and I'm still relatively young, I also know how freaking difficult it is because of what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a divorce and your spouse passes away, I know how difficult that is to make that next marriage healthy. It's a ton of work. Yeah. Frankly, it's a ton of work to make your first marriage healthy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is. It's just not an easy process. It's worth it, but it ain't easy. And I'm telling you, man, I'd be, I think I would err on being very slow or totally uninterested in ever remarrying. Really? I really do. Because even, because the problem for me, is that my potential new wife is realistically divorced hmm. and have kids. And now I'm going to be a stepdad. I don't want to be a stepdad. I don't. Yeah. You could be Jesus Christ himself. And those stepkids are like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I want nothing to do with you. It's just a lot of work. And I would think I have three kids, you know, one of them, you know, he's turning, he's 21 you know, he's getting closer and closer to the married marrying age. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at, I got three wonderful kids. I'm potentially going to have, you know, a, a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law or whatever. Right. And grandbabies, I, I'd rather put all my energy and funness into that. I'll be like, yeah. hey, coming. I'm moving in. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy's coming home, buddy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> no, but I, I that's where I would go. Because I, I just I know how much work it is. Yeah. And so just don't be naive about it. Don't think, oh now I'm gonna have the greenest parent thing. Whatever you right. do, it's gonna be work. Right. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to. And and I do believe. I know I don't have to be married again if my wife was the best. Uh, I don't have to be married again to be satisfied. You know, now I get what Paul was saying. Like, if you're going to do ministry, kind of the last thing you want to do is get married because now that's your ministry. Mm-hmm. So I know, man, there's so much more I could be doing. And so I'll focus on that, focus on my kids, focus on grandkids. I have a very fulfilling life. Does that sound bad? I don't think so. I don't know why I feel like that sounds bad. <laughs> Maybe like, here's the marriage guy going, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> right, exactly. It's, that's probably why it feels bad. All these wonderful books and things on marriage. Yeah, I wouldn't do it again. No, I'm out. <laughs> Tapping out. So, okay, we like to end each one of these episodes with very specific action items. Heroes actions. Uh, heroes actions. So, number one, you want to actively keep your heart open by constantly forgiving her. And praying for her. So I think that's probably one of the biggest things you're going to do to keep your heart open is to be actively praying for her. Blessing, success, and if she's in a new relationship, pray for that relationship. Say, Lord, bless them, honor them, help them be healthy. You know, 
Give her her dreams. And this is another area where having that group of men yeah. surround you is super helpful um, to encourage you to keep doing that and ask hard questions of like, hey, have you been praying for her? Yeah. Um, and what are your prayers for her? Exactly. Uh, and keep forgiving her. Mm-hmm. So if she is bitter or if she's not being cool, then just you got to keep forgiving. And that will help keep your heart open so that, you know, if it's, if it if you meet that person and and you can have a good relationship, it can be good. Yeah, but it won't be if you're still if you're now shut down and bitter towards your ex wife. Well, this this new wife is going to suffer the consequences of that. So keep your heart open. And then secondly, I'll let you tell the folks. Secondly, it's self care, self care, and some more self care. Yeah. What can you do to rejuvenate your heart? Hey, you've just gone through a terrible thing. It was hard and traumatizing and painful. And so self-care, again, isn't selfishness. Self-care is, hey, what do I need to do to rejuvenate? What do I need mm-hmm. to do to get my energy back? What do I need to do to, f- to be healthy again? And, I mean, that can be any number of things. I mean, they need to be healthy things, like crack cocaine would be a bad self-care. That would self-care. not be a good option. Heroin or alcohol, mm-hmm. very bad self-care things. Those are not. Those are destructive. So what are some constructive things that you can do? It might be whatever. It could be fishing, uh, hiking. It could be, you know, hey, a group of guy friends. And it could be, well, really, one of the really good things for self-care would be serving others. Mm-hmm. So volunteer, you know, in Houston, I think doesn't Houston have like the largest uh, amount or whatever of um, uh, like refugees and international people in Houston. There are more languages spoken in Houston than any other city in the U.S. Yes, and so there, like, if you're in Houston, there's a tremendous amount of things that you can volunteer for that mm-hmm. you can go and take care of people and. Whatever. I mean, foster kids and or just, you know, anything and everything. Get involved in serving others because when you serve others, you get rewarded with, well, it, it heals your heart. Mm-hmm. And so self-care is going to be an important thing. And that's a lot of times with a client, I will just tell them, what are you going to do for you? Yeah. And, you know, I had a wife once who's like, I think I need to move back closer to my parents because she had a wonderful relationship with her parents. They're very good people. They're very loving. And that was an area, excuse me, that she could be encouraged in that environment. So it was a self-care thing for her to move. Have you seen much of uh, people taking advantage, I guess, of self-care and like saying they're doing things like, no, this is, this is good for me. Like whether it's like, Self care is like, I mean, I went and I bought a new Ferrari. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think people will. They'll cope with their hurt and their wounds with destructive behavior, and so, yeah. So, so how do you guard against that in in the name of self care? Yeah, I, well, that's where the community comes involved. Yeah, I'm just telling you, and and I I don't think Seth and I could stress this enough because. You're going to feel like, you know, I've always wanted whatever. I've always wanted that. What would it be for me? Um, that Audi A8. Yes. The, <laughs> it probably would be. The Audi A8. You know, I've always wanted that. And I deserve this. That's where you want to have people in your life that you allow to influence you. Mm-hmm. Right? So it doesn't really do me any good. So maybe you and Casey, right? Yeah. And we're hanging out. I'm like, guys, you know, I think I... You know, I'm, I'm down, whatever. I'm, I'm going to go, and I can't afford it. That's the key. Now, obviously, if if I had millions of dollars in Audi A, it's not that big of a deal. Right. But I don't. <laughs> yeah, but we're us. <laughs> and I could tell you that I couldn't afford that Audi A8. So I'm assuming that if we're hanging out somewhere, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I always wanted to. This will make me feel good, whatever. I'm, well, what would you say? Well, I would probably ask... Um, how is this going to help? Oh, that's a good question. And well, I've just I'll, I'll just I'll play the stupid me. Well, Seth, I've always wanted. It's like been a huge dream of mine. It make me feel really, really good. Well, what would make you feel good about it? I don't know. So, yeah, it's already falling apart for me. <laughs> 
Because I, yeah. I, I mean, what? Uh, how would yeah. it make me well, feel better? Because really, my only response would be, "Well, I've just always wanted one." Right? Yeah, you're just trying to c- deal with a hurt with something that's not going to deal with the hurt. Exactly. And I know that you and Casey would deliver that message, hopefully in a loving manner. Yeah, but no, get the R8. It's yeah, it's way more sporty. <laughs> get a 1973. And and so my point is, you can set up these people in your life, but if you don't allow them to influence you, yeah, then you what it, it, it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It was a joke. And so I would hope that I and I I think I've done this over my life over not everything, but where you know you allow those people to influence you and you go ah all right I really want to do this but they're probably right mm-hmm. and they have my best interest at heart. No one's yeah. trying to punish you. And so you need to be, I guess the word is you need to be influenceable. Yeah. And if you if you are someone that's uh, in that small group for someone else that's going through hurt, uh, something that I've found that is helpful. So, so let's say, again, the same scenario, I'm a part of Michael's inner, inner circle. Something that can be helpful for Michael to receive um, my feedback is making sure that I am encouraging him on his wins as well. Yeah. And be like, man, Michael. It's like I think it's super great and healthy how you're doing this, this, and this. And make sure that's it. That's an everyday, like whenever you hang out, kind of thing. So that when um, you know Michael does come to me saying he wants an A8, he's more apt to listen to my concern about. Probably makes it easier for me to receive that influence Mm -hmm. if I feel like this person has my best interest and they've already been caring and and I know that. They love me. Yeah, because if all you're saying is like, nope, dumb, yeah. uh uh-uh, moron. Hate you. You're, you're the worst. You're a stupid face. Wrong again. But can I clarify that you're probably not in the inner circle, maybe the inner <laughs> county, the inner state. Maybe <laughs> the inter- in- Country. Inter-world. World might Intergalactic. Be. <laughs> I'll tell you this. You're one of the eight billion. <laughs> You're just smack dab in the middle of that eight billion. Not so much in the middle. (laughs) Or towards the end. (laughs) Well, I know. Yeah. It I am. I'm sad for you if if it wasn't able to work out, but I also know you're gonna be okay. Yep. And your job is to trust in Christ and believe that you're gonna be okay. Because if you believe you're not, then you're not. It's kind of not very complicated. So on this very podcast episode, there, remember, folks, there's a webcast coming up. There is. Yeah, I talked about it before the music started. Mm-hmm. It's on November 15th. It'll be from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a there's a direct link here on this episode to register for that event. I encourage you to do so. It's totally free. So it's two hours where we get to hang and I get to answer some of your more specific things, especially yeah. in your journey, if you're trying to win back your wife, and I'd love to do that. So hopefully I'll see you on November 15th. We need we need the bros to represent. Yeah, we do. Join us. And what else can they do if they go visit us at Smalley Institute and they're on this very podcast episode page? Oh, well, you can join us in different ways by downloading our app, our Reignite Your Marriage app, available on all of the major uh, smart devices and platforms. iTunes, Google Play, Windows, Windows. <laughs> Amazon App Store. <laughs> and don't forget, I also have a, an expansive, an expansive library of online courses that you can purchase and go through every major study, video study that we've ever done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it comes in an online experience, second to none. So you can see all of that at smalleyinstitute.com. And if you enjoyed the show or didn't, uh, if you could let us know, leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us know if we are doing a good job. And guess not. what I learned? What did you learn? Do you know that, because you know, Apple doesn't share their algorithm or whatever they do to you know rank podcasts. Right. But uh, in a bunch of these articles I found recently, mm-hmm. 
and in some interviews that the guy, the dude who's in charge of the Apple podcast thing, mm-hmm. that what they're thinking more realistically is how many subscribes you get. That is way more influencing on your ranking than just reviewing. Interesting. So, folks, subscribe. Subscribe and review. In your podcast app, <laughs> you click on subscribe, and then every week, our little episode will be automatically yeah. downloaded on your device. You don't have to work. I feel like that's even easier than it's a review. better. We're literally asking you to click one button, and you're done. You don't even have to like leave a star. Nope. You leave a note. Don't even care what give, you think. Give a handle. Yep. <laughs> so you can subscribe, and that'll help other folks find us. Well, Smalley Marriage Radio is brought to you by the Smalley Institute. If your marriage is on life support, reignite your relationship in only two days. Find out more online at smalleyinstitute.com or give us a call toll-free at 888-565-6462. By far one of the coolest things I have ever done in 25 years of helping couples is launch this VIP Inner Circle membership. Check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP. Get 24-7 digital coaching from me, yours truly, Michael Smalley. Find a community, find other people where you get to interact with me Every single week, you get to ask your questions. We get to have conversations about the things that matter most to you. Again, check it out, smalleyinstitute.com slash VIP.